In the Pits, sponsored by Hustletown Paintball. Hustletown is a brand by Jason Tinsley of Houston that is all about representing Houston paintball and highlighting its local talent. Head to hustletownpaintball.net to browse their selection of casual wear and use code PIT10 for 10% off of your order. In the Pits is partnered with Compete. Compete is a Texas-based brand by Jell Stewart of professional team AC Diesel that provides custom jerseys, pants, headbands, straps, tech shirts, and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level. Support Texas Paintball and message Compete on Facebook or Instagram and mention In the Pits podcast for 10% off your entire order. In the Pits is sponsored by FU Athletics, created with a purpose and focused on building a better you. We are a brand that matters in your workout, and every purchase gives back to cancer research. Go to thefuathletics.com and use code INTHEPITS25 for 25% off of your order. In the Pits is partnered with Get That Shot. Get That Shot now offers first-in-line photo and video editing, 20% off Get That Shot merch, and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the Get That Shot logo on their jersey. Message get that underscore shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a get that shot program team. In the Pits is partnered with Paintball Kumite. Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X Factor to take paintball players of all ages, experience levels, and skill groups and mold them into champions. The program breaks the game down into small, easy-to-learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning In the Pits. To sign up for a class, message at paintballcomite on Instagram. All you. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 35 of the In the Pits Paintball Podcast. This podcast was designed to highlight the paintball community in Texas, from professional and divisional teams, media, field owners, and everything in between. My name is Colt Roberts of San Antonio X Factor, and this week we're going to turn the tables and interview the creator of the End the Pits podcast, Christian Smith. Christian, welcome to the podcast, your podcast to be precise. Thanks, man. I've been, uh, this is a cool opportunity. I'm, uh, I got this idea from you probably like only a few weeks in, and here we are, you know, like 30 weeks later, uh, getting a chance to tell my story, so appreciate it. Yeah, the tables have uh, definitely turned. I actually was your first guest, so thank you for that. And uh, it's been a long road. You've done a lot of really neat things with the community. Um, I think you've got a lot of traction, and a lot more people are watching now than they were when I did my episode, unfortunately, but that's okay. Um, so let's just start out and tell us a little bit about how you fit into the Texas paintball scene. You know, What teams have you played for? How did you get your start, et cetera? So I'm not originally from Texas. I was a military child and born in the state of New York. Uh, but my first day of paintball was uh, in high school up at Lost Paintball. I was living in Garden Ridge at the time, which is like down the street from where X Factor is now. It was probably about two years before X Factor was built. So uh, first day of paintball up at Lost Paintball. Uh, shout out to Lost. And funny enough, my first kill in paintball was actually a surrender on one of my teammates. So that, I think that tells a lot of my teammates a lot uh, just from that story alone. Uh, but since then, I, you know, played at least once a year. I always loved the thing and I officially got into tournament paintball when I uh, went to college over at the University of Texas, joined the Texas Longhorns, played there for four years, graduated, and then 
uh, moved back to San Antonio, played for the SA Rejects uh, for one event before COVID shut everything down, and then uh, started my own team, the I-35 All-Stars, played a couple of events, and then that's kind of where the Texas Titans were born and played for them ever since. That's awesome. Yeah, so you did play on the Texas Longhorns, like you said, for four years. Now, the NCPA is defunct. We don't have college paintball going on currently that I'm aware of. Tell me a little bit about your time in the NCPA. And I know that you played on the premier team. You guys won probably every event you ever played. Uh, you always beat the Aggies. And so, yeah, just elaborate a little bit on that for me. Yeah, so uh, we got shit on a lot. <laughs> uh so my time on the Texas Longhorns, we had actually a pretty big team for what it was at the time. We had three lines. Um, the as far as the rules for the for the Texas paintball and uh, college paintball, all you had to do was be a student seeking a degree at the university. So it didn't matter uh, what your points were, experience. If you're an undergraduate, graduate, uh, transfer student, did not matter. As long as you were a student at that university, you could play for that team. So. We had uh, guys like Nathan Roberts on our team who had just made pro for AC Dallas. We had a couple of Division Three players. We had Evan Stein, who uh, briefly played for AC as well. Uh, Dr. Evan Stein. Dr. Evan Stein. Well, he wasn't doctor then. He was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was still in training then. Uh, but that also meant we were going up against half of VCK over on Texas A&M. That was when, like, Ryan Hall, Devin Stewart – uh, I think Daniel Morales was on that team, a um, bunch of guys. And then, of course, uh, Ryan's brother, Robert Hall, was uh, playing for uh, North Texas. I think Jesse Stevens was actually playing for UTSA for a season there as well. So we had, um, although the rules were basically open and the points they gave you were D5, you were going up against some, like, no-joke real talent in Texas, and it made it a uh, a very interesting scene, to say the least. So, so what is the current state of um, college paintball? I know we spoke earlier, and you let me know that it's it's kind of gone to the wayside due to COVID. Everything kind of took a halt. But you also mentioned to me that they're maybe trying to resurrect this. So that's question number one. Question number two is, it sounds to me, and I don't have a lot of experience with college paintball, but the the rules as far as who can compete on a team is, is very loose, it sounds like to me. What are your thoughts on that, and do you think that they will change that going forward so that we don't get basically full professional line, you know, teams playing. Uh, so when the, so honestly, the NCPA was kind of on the downtrend in 2018, 2019. Uh, I'm not sure if that was due to the people that were running it, who were all volunteers, by the way. Um, if they just like had other things that threw their time away. I know Chris rail, uh, was heavily involved with NCPA for a couple of years. Um, and, it was it was a little bit on the downtrend. Uh, like you had things like trying to schedule events on Easter weekend, on Thanksgiving, like during finals, all that. So it just started to uh, lose players kind of gradually. But then when uh, the COVID pandemic happened and the shutdown uh, completely killed the scene because the rules for uh, the rules for clubs were completely different depending on which college you went to. Like some universities didn't allow a single student organization to meet for like a year. So uh, across the country, uh, completely different rules and just you couldn't really have clubs. Scene died. Um, this uh, earlier today, the NCPA posted that they're rebranding to the College Paintball Players League, and it looks like they're coming back. 
And they've also announced an alumni division, which I think is going to be pretty cool um, and also necessary to just help kind of get the scene back on its feet. Um, as far as like the rules for um, like roster classifications and all that, I think that there's, I mean, obviously things like VCK all going to Texas A&M at the same time, like guys aren't all going to college together just to play paintball. We're not at that point in the, in the sport. Um, but they did say as far as alumni, they're going to limit it to like one player who's division one or higher. And then any like pretty much open below that. Uh, I think it's, I think it's fine. I mean, it's more about uh, just representing school pride. It's not uh, like it is where uh, in division four, division three, like you're trying to just, put the best team together to win even all the way up to pro like it's all about school pride so i don't really see a problem with it as far as you know a one team being too stacked because i'm sure that uh lots of players now uh actually got their start in ncpa so i'd be excited to see what the alumni divisions look like yeah i think the alumni division is cool but i mean you know if you look at pretty much any other sport out there for instance you don't see um patrick mahomes playing college football as well as winning a super bowl so do you not think it's kind of weird that we're allowing professional professional players um to play at the collegiate level which is supposed to be you know intramural if you will and not somebody that that makes a living or at least any kind of income uh playing the sport that they play uh i think it's it's tough to make those comparisons just because of where paintball is as a sport like this is more so i think purely for the enjoyment of the game uh, NCPA is like a purely volunteer run organization always has been and there's never been any sort of cash or anything on the line it's always been just about school pride so uh, for the alumni divisions I think they're intending at least for the first year to uh, allow alumni to compete with their schools just because there are so many colleges out there that lost their clubs and haven't been able to get them back yet so as kind of a stopgap to try and help bring some life back into the scene, I think it's going to be a great thing. But then moving forward, I think they're planning on having alumni compete separately from the current students. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess I should uh, rally my community college to put a team in for next year is what you're saying. I mean, you got to, you got to, it sounds like you got to go table, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I'm going to go take one class at UT and help you guys out. I mean, we can't have A&M winning everything. Absolutely not. Uh, let's check the chat here real quick. So let's see, man, that Christian guy is hot. Who is that? Katie Dallas. Oh, that's your wife. wife. That yeah. does not count. <laughs> yeah. Nobody else is agreeing with that sentiment. So we'll skip that. <laughs> Justin Deere says fire jerseys and Colts background. Yeah. That's just a few of the teams that I play with. They got a little cap factory there. Little naughty dogs. Of course, X factor number one and a little impact um, overseas. And then we got here, Mike says, Nebraska Omaha was 100% pro team vicious. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So were they competing at the same time as A&M when they had kind of like the full VCK line? And, and if uh, so, how did that matchup go? I think uh, Nebraska's vicious was a couple of years before A&M started. Those, those guys in A&M were around like 2015, I want to say, is when they all got there. When vicious, I think, started like in 2011, 2012, and then ended right when A&M got there. But I know gotcha. A&M, like, whenever they traveled to Nationals, they had a year where they didn't even drop, a, I think, but, like, two or three points the entire tournament when they went to Nationals playing Class A, which was, like, 10-minute halves, sideline coaching, penalty boxes, the whole thing. Oh, man. That's a, that's a pretty stellar year, I would say. 
Um, let's see. And then we have Lock Re here that says the new NCPA organizers are doing a four pod limit and 10 minute split deck matches. That'd be interesting. I, I kind of like the limited paint format. I thought that uh, like some of the Pan Am and stuff they used to do was, was kind of cool. Uh, how do you feel about kind of limited paint or do you enjoy, I mean, you're a bat guy and you carry like 22 pods on your back. So you only shoot two of them because you die early. But beyond that, if you could shoot the 22 pods, would that be your preference or do you like the limited paint format? I like the limited paint. I think part of it's just going to help keep costs down for college students. Uh, I mean, this whole thing is all about bringing new blood into the game. So uh, pod limit, great. Uh, we'll see if the alumni division carries that out as well. Also, shout out to Lockery, a uh, reference to uh, one of my previous episodes and wearing the, the green Bunker Fest shirt for Rock Lee and the, the bowl haircut and all that. Appreciate that. Appreciate the support shows. We got a longtime <laughs> fan in there in the chat. I'm guessing that's probably Michael from your team if I were to put any bets oh, out there. But speaking of the uh, bowl haircut, yeah, I, I was talking to Dylan earlier today just to see if he had any questions for you. And, um, I actually thought it would be funny to get a Dumb and Dumber, like the uh, Lloyd Christmas bowl haircut wig to wear and introduce myself as Christian Smith on the podcast. But obviously I didn't uh, take care of that. Real life is in my way and I didn't have time, but I thought it would have been, been great to do that. could have just worn the Band-Aid over your eye. That would have been good enough too. That's true. That's true. Um, okay, Sasha has a question here. Christian, tell the story behind the Power Rangers outfit and shouldn't Titans adopt that getup as a 2023 jersey and pants okay so uh power rangers outfit uh right after i graduated i didn't really have a team for a while just because i wasn't like super connected with the x factor scene which at that time kind of the local area was a little bit more about like hey if you don't have your own five then it's a little bit more difficult to hop on during the weekends plus i wasn't really playing um so i ended up just kind of doing my own thing i wanted to have a jersey that uh, more represented who I was at that time, which I was a big fan. And you're a Power of, Ranger. Of, well, is the, the jersey is actually a Cloud Nine jersey, and I had oh, okay. of like the design of their 2018 team, uh, their Counter Strike team that won Boston. So I uh, I got that, paid uh, Chris Rangel to design and make it, and then he made the pants to go along with the jersey. And Sasha, funny enough, it. The Titans may or may not be going, and I think I think it's official now. But the Titans are actually going to be going with under, um, for pants and jerseys, just for, uh, you know, because we're going to be doing the Bunker Fest series, and there's uh, paint benefits to wearing their jersey and pants. So Sasha, you got uh, just coming soon might might surprise you. And actually, uh, Lock Ree, which was AKA Michael, um, says that. Uh, we we the titans sell ourselves and dragoon pods to afford jt pants so that is interesting and sasha says dragoon's pods belong to the world yes they do because i don't think he's ever bought a pod in his life and he has stolen every single one that has a dragoon sticker on it well, sasha is like one of the three people out there that actually buy pods and then supply it to the rest of us trust me we've got we've probably gotten more dragoon's pods than not at this point uh, that's a good thing. I think the uh, X Factor pod bins are probably full of those too. Yeah, I've I've been saying we got to get Sasha on the jersey because he's a true sponsor and supporter of the Texas Titans. That is true. All right, so that's like this wasn't really in where I wanted it to be, but since you kind of talked about the sponsorship, let's go ahead and bring a question up from FU Athletics, which is owned by Thomas, one of your teammates, which is cool. But tell us a little bit about. 
sponsorship acquisition. And if you're a team looking to uh, garner sponsors for a season, what route do you, what do you do? Where do you go? And, and how does that all work? Cause I know you're kind of integral in the part of the uh, Titans form of getting sponsorship. So tell us a little bit about that. So funny enough, this is actually a pretty uh, big discussion that we had to have this off season, just because we're going into year three. Uh, we're competing in D3 and we just had a lot more options. So uh, for any kind of newer teams out there it's all going to depend on the series that you play like if you're only playing your local series like if you're playing usxbl or you're only playing bunker fest uh then as far as sponsorships go like yeah you can get packages but they're like when you really break down the numbers in terms of um like what the package is going to cost you versus the benefits that you get so for, uh talking about more specifically usually that's in terms of paint discounts so let's say you're going with the GI package, for example. Uh, the GI package, they're going to, for USXBL, they're going to make you get the five-star package, which is usually jersey, pants, pod pack, mask, um, sometimes other stuff like tech tee, uh, other like casual wear stuff, and that'll come to a certain dollar amount per person, and you have to outfit everybody on the line. And in return, you will usually get like, $5 off per case, and then sometimes there might be a con uh, contingency where they will refund you a certain number of cases if you podium. Uh, like, if you podium at the NXL events, if you get first place, you get your entire paint bill for free. If it's second place, it's 50%. Third place, 25%. At USXBL, I think it's, like, if you win, you get 10 cases refunded. Second place is five cases or something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, uh, but just really sitting down and doing those spreadsheets to figure out what makes sense for you and your team. Uh, not just, you know, cost wise, because you're, you definitely can't count on yourself winning every event. Don't, uh, don't put that into your uh, calculations as like, Oh, we're going to win every event. Therefore we should go with JT because we're going to get all of our paint for free. Uh, that's probably not going to happen because winning is really hard to do over a course of an entire season consistently. Um, but that being said, you touched on a good point here, and and I do know, even though I've never been involved in any kind of like sponsorship decisions, mm -hmm. but I do know that paint is the number one expenditure, and and you kind of want to focus anything you can uh, as far as sponsorship goes with getting paint included somehow. Uh, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, especially if you're going to be playing like an entire tournament series or even multiple, like if you're going to do an NXL event or two, uh, it's definitely worth to look at those bigger. Uh, companies like uh, Core Outdoors, like HK, like Die, look at those because doing the national events is where you're going to see your most uh, value in terms of paint discounts. Uh, for If you're only doing local stuff, like if you're doing like HTPS or XTPL and that's all you do, then maybe you look at more local uh, sponsors like Hydra or uh, if Houston has anything. Um, and then just kind of wear what you want other than that. But if you're like competing in these national events, then yeah, you're probably going to want to go with these bigger name sponsors as far as uh, sponsors within the paintball industry. Uh, now the Titans have actually had a few sponsors from outside of paintball completely. Like we have uh, Pollo Sasadas. Pollo's. Yeah. The restaurant that we go to, it's like a walk from X factor. Uh, we've got uh, this bar Kung Fu saloon, downtown Austin that wrote us a check uh, last season for for us to use as we see fit um, as far as getting those outside sponsorships sometimes it's personal connections like we have been eating at Poyos for a long time 
uh, before there was any sort of like kind of sponsorship talks really. And how we get benefit was uh, at one event, they came and brought the whole team food for free and then they uh, like sold plates there to anybody else. Um, as far as the uh, Kung Fu Saloon bar situation, that was pretty much just a cold call. Like I looked up random um, companies, businesses, see like, hey, do they have any sponsorship stuff? I pretty much just Googled it and turns out Kung Fu Saloon, they had a section on their website where they sponsor local amateur athletes. Sent them an email, got more information, boom, we got a check. So sometimes... A so question on that. So Go ahead. Here, this is just curiosity. Now, I know you've maintained Kung Fu Saloon and you've maintained Poyos for multiple seasons. This isn't one like a one-time thing and they quit. What kind of return on investment or what kind of benefit do you think that these outside sponsors get out of sponsoring a paintball team? And, and how are you presenting this? Because we all know that cash is king. We talked about paint earlier. Yes, within industry, paint is number one. That's what you want to focus your sponsorship on. But when you're going to... A, a a bar or a restaurant or some of these types of things how are you presenting your package to say here's what we're bringing to you and this is what we expect in return uh so with trying to like like promote yourself really you have to come at them with this is what we can do for you in return um with polios it was real easy because they've they know our faces you know they've seen us every weekend we give them dates for um, like, hey, you can go sell food, like prepare a whole lot of plates in advance, go sell them at these USXBL tournaments that are at X Factor, boom, there's a return on investment. Right. Um, also, like we're bringing teams that scrimmage us, we're like, hey, come with us to this restaurant afterwards, boom, there's another return on investment. With, okay. um, with Kung Fu Saloon, it was like they asked us, hey, consider – uh, hosting a number of events throughout the year at our location, which we have. And we're actually going to be doing another one this Friday. Uh, is my birthday. I'm turning 27, and we're all going to get together down there. So it's, you know, things like that um, just consistently show that you can, like, physically bring business to them. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, have the misconception of, oh, they need the tax write-off. We can, you know, put ourselves as a... A uh, nonprofit amateur sports team, which has its own tax code, um, businesses really don't need that many tax write-offs. So you have to be able to show a return on investment, and um, like just tagging them on Facebook and Instagram really doesn't do much unless you're like more involved in their industry, um, which is something that I actually learned a lot from uh, Niles, who's the owner of the Texas Cyclones. I did an interview with him back in episode, I think of the show and that's where i learned the most about this subject i think that's uh pretty valuable information yeah i agree especially if you can kind of segue in for instance the food truck for uh poyos uh at x-factor events i mean that's huge for these kind of guys so i think that restaurants especially that have a mobile or catering service if you can somehow get with a tournament or field organizer and and somehow segue them into getting uh, additional revenue, obviously, then that that factors into them potentially wanting to sponsor you. So I think that's that's invaluable advice. Um, let's look at the chat real quick, see if anything we got in here. Okay, so we confirmed here. We don't confirm, but there's suspicion that Lockery is actually not Michael, which surprised me. It's Josh. Well, nice Josh. of you to join us, Josh. You uh. <laughs> You spend more time on Christian's podcast than you do at practice, so thank you for showing up here. And also, I saw Leo's name pop up, who I haven't seen also either in a while. 
Leo. I'd like to see you at practice. Um, he said this past and I guess I'll give him some oh, was he? Yeah, okay, he was this past weekend. I didn't see him, but uh, I guess if a lot of people don't know, I also do coach the Titans uh, from time to time. Um, I've been involved with their organization for the past couple years. Uh, I'm actually on their board of directors, which is funny. It's really cool, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but how organized the Titans organization is and kind of what you guys do and, and treat this so professionally. We'll, we'll worry about that later, but let's get some more questions here. So I got Brandon O from BEM Raps. He says, Christian, most memorable on-the-field lesson from Colt. He gave me a couple tattoos on my back at the center A for getting tunnel vision. Now my head's always on a swivel. Um, most memorable on-the-field lesson. Um, I mean, there's been there's been some moments of like reassurance like hey i'm actually doing some things right but as far as like the most most like immediate enacting change was uh colt was helping us get ready for the last usxbl event um we were playing a point where thomas was uh his gun was looking one way i was trying to get him to look the other way uh he just wasn't hearing me like we were losing bodies uh i i i i motherfucked him uh to get him to switch and then he switches and immediately dies. So then I come off the job that I switched him off of and uh, their team runs down the Dorito wins the point. Colt did not like that. And uh, he, he was like, look, if you're going to motherfuck someone, then don't come off of the job that you switched them off of. And I was like, but I had to switch because he died. And then Colt was just like, dude, shut up. And just immediately I was like, okay, yep. I'm, I'm wrong. I know I have. Yeah, I, th I, I think that's one moment, kind but... of thing. You know, like if if on field, if if you're going to call someone off of a job that they're doing, then you you've got two responsible. Well, you got one responsibility is to fill that job, and that's either you or someone else you put on it, right? So that's kind of like a key point is that if you're going to take a dude that's doing a job and you're saying you're no longer doing that job, I want you to do this job, then you better damn well know who's going to cover the job that guy was doing. You can't leave that glaring hole in, in what you're going on in your defense or offense or whatever the, the situation is. So good. I'm glad that that, uh, that resonated with you. Uh, Don Jose Jalapeno wants to know any news on the Modelo sponsorship. I'm also curious on Dude, this. We've been trying uh, Modelo. Uh, they, they don't really, in, they don't really uh, interact with individuals like they have their social media and stuff and they actually do sponsor a team out in colorado um i think it was denver chaos that ended up switching their okay. names to Modelo usa last year which we were all very heartbroken at that news um but we're kind of weird get... that Modelo, a mexican beer brand is sponsoring someone in colorado that's that's just kind of a travesty in my opinion yeah i mean we does we denver chaos that. even have any hispanic players on the team I think they have someone inside the Modelo company as an in. Is oh, what of I course heard. they do. Uh, but uh, from what I've heard, you got to have an in, like have a distributor or someone in the corporate office that you have contact with in order to to make progress there. But I, uh, we're we're trying on all fronts. Uh, one of our guys that we've been working with, our new coach on our on my line, his name's AJ Molinari. Uh, he used to be uh he used to work at a brewery and he has some contacts with some distributors so uh hopefully AJ if you if you find any contact info that we can use we'll definitely use it awesome all right so i think that's it for the chat now let's go ahead and uh get moving forward here so this question is going to come to you from get that shot uh which is obviously one of the premier texas media people and personalities um 
we want to know what are your personal goals for for you personally and for the team in 2023. Uh, so 2023 is going to be my first year playing Division Three. Uh, most of the rest of the team, uh, two seasons ago, so Dylan, Pat, Josh, uh, Ryan. Justin was on that line as well. I can't remember who else was on that line. Um, they all played a full season of Premier two years ago. I was not on that line at the time. I was still on the Division Four line with Leo. Um, and then last year we moved up uh, to the Premier line, but we all still had D4 points. We still played D4. Um, so this will be my first true year in Division Three. Um, my goal, I think, just for this season is to... Like, not treat myself as, hey, trying to learn to be competitive in Division Three, like, to to be, like, middle of the pack. Like, I want to be able to dominate Division Three and, and treat myself as someone who's looking to uh, make the jump to Division Two next year. So, uh, with, that, with that mindset, I've, it means, like, I've got to, like, just do more work as, indiv- on in, as an individual, doing drills, um continue to watch film, continue to uh, play up and in practice as much as I can. So, you know, scrimmaging against guys like Texas Demolition, who's going to be playing Premier. They've got some D2, D1 players. Uh, this weekend, we're going to get an opportunity to go play against Austin Notorious for a little bit, their pro, their pro team. Uh, so just getting as much experience as I can, learning and uh, not being okay with like just a slow uh, rate of progression, being able to climb it really quickly. That way, whenever we get to the first Bunker Fest event at the end of the next month, uh, we're going to be a top team looking to actually compete for a win. Yeah, that's great. And I think that that's something that as far as, you know, if you look at kind of the pro division, how how it's evolved and where it is now, I mean, you see old gray bushes like me at 40 still playing. You see the Greenspans, the Frazies. The, all these old school guys that I really was watching when I first started playing paintball um, in 01. I mean, these guys were playing pro at the time. And I get asked the question, it's like, well, why is that? What is it about that? And I think that a lot of it has to do with most teams nowadays aren't doing what you just said, challenging themselves and trying to play up. Like, they're not going out there and saying, I want to play the best people I can play. Instead, I want to go be the schoolyard bully and beat up on the D5 rookie guys and feel good about myself when I go home from practice. But you don't really learn anything there uh, by doing that. I think that you know it's good, and you guys do do that. You go out there and challenge yourselves as often as you can. Um, you've asked me countless times if like, after our practices, if you can get some, some reps in against the X-Factor lines. And I think that that's a very important thing, and I think that that's why you guys are seeing as much success as you had, is because you are doing that, that challenging yourself of going and playing people better than you as opposed to trying to go and win practice or, or play people that maybe are not at your level. So I definitely commend you guys for that, and it's something that's obviously inspired me to want to help continue to coach you guys, and that's why you know, I, I spent a lot of my time trying to help you guys because I see the passion that you have and I see that you guys are going good places and definitely have the potential to be the next big thing out of Texas, which is which is super cool. And, you know, X Factor has a great breeding ground for a lot of really good players. There's multiple good teams out there. Also, Coach Dragoons, who are also a very dedicated, good team. And then, you know, we have a few other teams that I don't necessarily coach, but innocent bystanders are out there. They've got some good good uh, players on those teams and they, we just have a really good tournament scene out there and I think it's a good breeding ground for people to get better in uh, in what they're doing 
Um, so moving and, on. And kind of on Go that ahead. note, um, yeah. it's really cool to see some of the X Factor guys being able to be at the field a little bit more consistently, mm -hmm. like uh, getting to go with and against guys like yourself, Cody Bayless, Jesse Stevens, Alex Martinez, uh, getting those opportunities just to um, get their feel for the tempo of the game is really huge. And then uh, like towards the end when everyone's kind of packing up, just being able to ask, hey, do you want to go for a couple of one-on-ones and practicing like more individual mechanics? And uh, that opportunity is really cool. Yeah, definitely. Actually, Ruben challenged me at a one-on-one last weekend, and uh, that was about five seconds. But see, Ruben, I think I hope he learned a valuable lesson because Ruben is a guy that's on the, the D5 line for the Titans and mm -hmm. a, a phenomenal player, natural ability, just a really good player. But he's a snake guy and he's right-handed. So my whole mentality going into this one-on-one, -on -one, which of course, you know, I love playing one-on-ones, but I have nothing to gain and everything to lose ever playing a one-on-one, which doesn't dissuade me from doing it. I'll still do it. But I knew that number one, snake is where he wants to go, which is not a good one-on-one -on -one spot. Anybody that's that's listening here, don't go to the snake in a one-on-one. -on -one. But I knew he wanted to be on that side of the field. And number two, I knew he was right-handed, so he wanted to shade towards the right-hand side of the field. So instantly, I just lined up and showed that I was going to shoot for the snake side slot bunker. And obviously, he didn't want to run through that zone, so I knew I was going to keep him either one in the back center, trying to challenge me at, you know, on break or to, to battle back center to back center, or he was going to fade toward the Dorito side. So I obviously shot my lane for him in case he did try to go snake side. He didn't. And once I knew he didn't go there, I just literally wrapped the bunker and shot his own right over into the Dorito slot and shot him five seconds into the game. And it wasn't because he lost a gunfight or my mechanics were better, but it was solely because I just outthought him. You know, and that's kind of like where the whole transition of of going into the pro level or even up as you're moving up in the divisions. It's not so much that if you come out and snap shoot me that my snapshot's just so much better that I'm just going to beat you every time. It's not really that at all. There's a lot of, you know, Division One, Division Two players that have fantastic fundamental skills. But it, it's more so the fact that you have to think ahead. It's like playing chess out there of what your opponent is strong at and what their tendencies are going to be. And that's really why I won that one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't, he, he didn't even shoot at me. He literally ran into paint because I anticipated what I was going to force him to do. So, you know, going back to you going up and saying you want to be, you know, competitive in the D3 ranks and you want to do these types of things, I think that you're going to find that it's not so much that you're going to go out and battle a guy and someone's going to be, oh man, this guy's snapshot's just so much better than me or he shoots such much better lanes on break than I do. It's going to be more to the fact that they know the evolution of how the game's going to play out and they can think a step or two ahead of you. That's number one. And then number two, the windows get smaller and smaller the timings get smaller and smaller, the higher you go up in the ranks. And you need to learn to trust your instincts, right? Uh, I see so many hesitations where I see a guy and they'll, they'll, they'll do something and I'd be like, their body language is, I want to make a move, I feel it. And they second guess themselves and either move and then die because they waited too long or two, they just marinate in their bunker. So as you guys are trying to progress up the ranks, just know that those are the kind of things that you need to be thinking about is, is advanced tactics and, and seeing the flow of the game and how what's going to open up a game, number one, and, and just have the confidence in doing it and believe in yourself. Trust your instincts. You know, we play this game so much that eventually you're going to start to get this feeling where it just feels right, you know, and, and that's what everybody calls timing. But really, it's just more of a, a sense. You have a game sense and a field awareness that tells you now's the right time to make this move. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Sure. Uh, before we continue, I know we talked about uh, about getting a getting a shot in together. Uh, you want to do? Yeah, that now? let's do it. It's time. Yeah. Okay. So I actually have the last shot, and this is Clase de Azul. This is a Blanco. Um, I prefer like a Resusado more than a Blanco, but my good buddy Lucian Blackburn, Blackburn, who lived in Houston for a long time, played on Baltimore Trauma, who actually won the NXL. Can't remember the year. But they won the AXL Championship, and Lucian is a fantastic friend and a fantastic player. And I hope that you'll get him on a podcast one day, Christian, because he's one of the old school dudes that a lot of people have forgotten about, but he's a killer and a badass dude. So we'll get him on here. But yes, thank you, Lucian. So let's go ahead and do our uh, our mid-episode shot here. Sure, and I've, I've got some 1800 tequila, 100% agave azul as well. Also got a Blanco. All right, All right cheers. Thanks right, for having cheers. me on, and thank you guys for everything you do. All right. So since we're talking about classifications and where you guys are headed and what you're doing, let's talk a lot, a little bit about the kind of the shakeup in the local tournament scene. A long time you guys have played. Um, why am I drawing a blank? What is the series you guys have played USXBL. for so long? Thank you. USXBL has been the premier tournament series offered in Texas for the first, you know, as long as I can remember past several years. Now we have Bunkerfest coming into the ranks. They had an event last year in New Orleans. I heard rave reviews about it. You guys enjoyed it. Thought it was a great series. So much so that you've kind of dedicated your focus towards the Bunkerfest series this year. Um, they're also offering a Premier Division, which is going to kind of open up uh, a little bit more breadth of level of player that can play in these divisions. So tell me a little bit about what you guys were, were discussing when you decided that you kind of wanted to focus on the Bunkerfest series and what are they offering that you think is is where you guys want to head so uh to go with all of that we kind of have to back up a little bit to uh the 2021 season uh, for the first revival of this bunker fest series up in round rock uh, so that event um was like a one-off series but we were like it's in round rock it's basically in our backyard we've got to go send a line at least uh so that event, um, the premier boys at the time, which was uh, those six that I had said, so Ryan, Josh, Justin, Deer, uh, Dylan, Pat, and uh, Ian Riley. Uh, so those six, uh, they ended up pulling up three guys from the Division Four line. They pulled up, or actually Mike, they pulled up Mike as well, who I think like joined us maybe the first or the second event. So So Michael was in there too. And then they pulled up myself and Justin Sabi to uh, make nine for that event. And so we go to this event. It's a two-day event. And I was like, okay, this is my, you know, kind of more or less my shot. Like, I've been looking to play with these guys that I played with them with the I-35 All-Stars. I played with them at NXL Dallas. And uh, now I'm like, okay, let's let's see what I got. Um, and we end up winning the whole thing, um, in some crazy games. Uh, we were like pretty, honestly, pretty dominant, uh, except for probably our match against the, uh, the Amazons PV bar line. Uh, they ended up beating us, but they had some great guys on there like Skylar Molina. Um, and so we get 
to playoffs, quarterfinals, we play against the Dragoons. And honestly, like, even though the score was 4-0, it was a little bit closer of a match. Uh, they, like, the first two points came down to one-on-ones that we just ended up uh, winning. And then uh, semifinals match, overtime point against uh, FCR, which are the uh, Valhalla guys. And then uh, finals, we end up going up against Avarice, which is Greed's D4 line. So they've got guys like Jason Bonner, um, their guy from the uh, – I, I can't remember his name. Britton Blake, that's the guy used to play D1. Um, <clears throat> and that uh, match, which uh, I guess I'll talk about this as well, uh, there was a moment in the match where there's like – where it's like tie game with like 55 seconds or so. Uh, Avarice is pushing to win the match. Uh, we're just saying, hey, we're going to hold for overtime. A couple of our starters are resting because we have nine guys. We have the ability to do that. And I'm on the field. And uh, Jason Bonner runs through, uh, shoots like three guys down a seam that if we if we had one gun turned, it would have picked him up. But now one gun wasn't turned. Jason makes it all the way to the box. He like, sh- I'm sitting in the Dorito one. He's shooting at me as he's running past, and he misses. And so I'm like, oh, shit, there's a guy here. I turn and literally, like, time just, like, went in slow motion. I'm just trying to get one ball on this guy. And uh, Verbal posts – there's a beautiful picture that Verbal has where as Jason's, like, reaching to hit the buzzer, you just see pain exploding on his pack. Ends up being a swing point. Like, 17 seconds, we end up winning the tournament. And that's when we're like, okay, we, we like the series. And also just, like, the, the tournament itself was great, uh, great – paint uh refs were great uh we had a good time uh so the next year they say hey we're going to louisiana all right we're there uh end up making uh you know we had a great time in general uh Rangel has a great atmosphere with like bringing in like a crawfish broil uh for all of the players the first day of games uh of course he brings in great paint great uh flying in refs from all over uh, there's a car wash in the middle of the field, which you don't ever see. And then of course there's a free webcast. So all of that plus being in new Orleans, like great venue. We, uh, end up getting third. So, uh, we really just enjoy like the atmosphere in general, let alone having our success there. Oh, uh, a couple of people in the chat are saying, I, I can't forget about the Tomahawk. Uh, so I'll bring this down. Oh. That's all, Katie. This is PG thirteen. She shouldn't be asking you to show your tomahawk. Oh, okay. Oh uh, yeah, that tomahawk. Uh-oh. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, uh, MVP award, which this was kind of like a big draw. MVP award, which was voted on by the team. Uh, get a tomahawk, uh, which has a a whole plaque on it, which says twenty twenty one Bunker Fest Finals MVP, and then the division that you. So, so I'm assuming that you did not tell Thomas to switch his gun and then not cover his zone in this particular tournament. And is that no, correct? This was, this was pre-Thomas. Pre-Thomas. Okay, but you yeah. didn't switch somebody off their job and lose the no. game because of it. Then. No, okay, definitely. good. I, w- good. I was playing the one in this situation, actually. Okay, perfect. Um, so, yeah, because of that, we were like, all right, we're, we're going to um, show Chris Rangel more of our support. And then it comes out that, hey, he's going to do a full series and the way he's structuring things is different. Like Division 3 is going to have roster points. Uh, he's also bringing in a premier division, which is Division, I think it's going to give Division 2 points, but you can be Division 1 with a pro up to like 7,000 points or something like that is the Right, cutoff. which I'm excluded from, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but we'll, yeah. see if, we'll see if we can get that change for year 2. Um, 
but I I think like we've just had such a good time at Bunkerfest and also like ultimately the expenses have been a little bit cheaper because paint prices are different like sure the entry is a thousand dollars or eleven or twelve hundred or whatever it is um whereas USXBL is only like 700 I think for entry but the yeah. paint prices being a $20 difference like at USXBL you're paying $60 a case whereas Bunkerfest you're paying 40 so that that price more than makes up for itself um and how does the price package look in comparison i mean is this how's that looking uh so at Bunkerfest uh, the prizes have always been cash and they've always been way bigger than anything else that has been offered uh like okay. the very first bunker fest that we played in one we got four thousand dollars cash for first prize okay uh, and if I'm as not opposed mistaken, to what what would you wear would you win think, in, in another I at, series i think at usxbl it was like 2250 for first place in division four or 2500 okay. or 3000 maybe okay. um but um yeah bunker fest prizes have always been much better and you're starting to see tournaments kind of have to you know adjust themselves to compete with that like XTPL is starting to offer three thousand, four thousand, five thousand dollar cash prizes for first place. USXBL had to offer five thousand for first place at the this past championships. So uh, other other tournament series are, are starting to have to react, whereas Bunkerfest has always had that. Uh, I know in Division Three, which we were competing in, I think the first place, I think the prize for the top three is like six thousand, three thousand, one thousand. I think is the breakdown. Okay. So total of ten thousand dollars cash for top three teams, which is pretty good. That is good. So, so the only thing, just playing devil devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. is that so and, and this actually affects me directly because you know I planned on coaching you guys um, at some right. of these tournaments this year, but you know they're they're now holding events on Friday and Saturday, mm-hmm. which to me for a local series is crazy. What are your thoughts on that? Because to me, it's just like. I mean, national events, obviously, with the breadth of the the number of teams that are competing, et cetera, you can expect to take a few weekdays off from work. But now that it's a local tournament, that's number one. And then number two, every event is at the same venue in Dallas. Do you think that that's going to be a hurdle for this series to grow on either account? Um. So as far as the events being Friday, Saturday, that I know that is for the Premier Division and Division right. Three. Uh, I know Division Four, Division Five, the Five Man Divisions, and the Young Guns Division are all on Saturday, Sunday. I know Young Guns is Sunday only. So there's a lot of different teams having to compete, and I think they capped off at like a hundred and nine or 108 teams total for the event across all of the divisions. So whenever you have that many teams, I know that Rangel was looking for a venue that would be able to support that many teams in terms of either number of fields that they had or parking or other logistical things. Uh, And just in my mind, there are very few fields that have that many speedball fields that are able to support that in Texas. Uh, So, while I understand, like, for example, the one of the, I think this first event is called like the Alamo Blitz, and it's like, day which day is day a travesty. Season. Yeah. Sorry, Rangel, but <laughs> the Alamo's not in Dallas, bro. Just gonna let you know, San Antonio resident here. It's here. So yeah, change that name immediately. Yeah, I, I know. Sorry. While it's I'll, it, the dates are based off of like important like dates in history, like the Alamo, the Battle of the Alamo was around the same time. 
as this event. Let's celebrate the 4th of July in England at this point, right? <laughs> I mean, just saying. <laughs> a couple questions from the chat real quick while we have this here. Um, so, so, or comments, really. Sasha says, WCCPL plays on Fridays. And if I'm not mistaken, is that the uh, the league that's out in California? Yes, that's the West Coast. And that's uh, Mike Hinman's league? Yes. Yeah, And probably one of the do... most successful local leagues in the U.S., right? Yes, yes. So okay. I know that Rangel is drawing a lot of um, like inspiration from the West Coast Paintball Players League because they have like this massive tournament series. They consistently sell out. Um, okay. They've got a lot of players and teams that are able to play all the way to the top. They've got pros coming in to play with their Premier League teams. So I know Rangel is like trying to model BunkerFest at least to start with off of the WC model. Um, so... Like with the Friday Saturday, like you only have so many hours in a day, you only have so many fields. So uh, with an event this big with over a hundred teams, you have to um, either have six fields running, or you've got to stretch it over to another day. And I know with Rangel, it's it's a thing where he also wants to like feature as many teams as he can on the webcast field. Uh, so right. he's trying to like you know cycle everybody in there. Uh, so what's the thoughts on? Uh, okay, so with that being said. Mm -hmm. Why not split, and maybe it's just, it's an expense thing, I don't know, I'm not a tournament promoter, but why not have one weekend Division X and next weekend Division Y, etc., instead of adding a Friday in there? Because, you know, Sasha, who is the captain and owner of the Dragoons, who plays out at X-Factor, specifically says they're not playing Bunker Fest solely for the fact that they can't commit to taking Fridays off. Because really, if we think about it, you're leaving either one, you're red eyeing Thursday night to get to Dallas, right? Or two, you're taking Thursday and Friday off in an attempt to play this event, which is kind of, it's tough, right? For, I mean, it's mm -hmm. tough for me, even playing at the professional division, to miss so many days off of work and take vacation, et cetera. So to play a local event, it just, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I personally think it's a mistake. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not, maybe I'm wrong. But to me, that seems like a big hurdle in this whole, kind of thing that that's built around the bunker fest model i definitely hear that i think uh i mean granted like i'm i have no insight into like the specific finances of things or logistics like i'm just a guy who talks to people and asks questions and isn't afraid to ask questions um so i think part of that is if you do it two weekends in a row then obviously you have to pay double the cost for housing refs flying them out uh which i'm sure isn't cheap are um, we flying refs out for Bunkerfest, I know he's got several NXL like pro refs on the field, including A. Howe, who's going to be, uh, I think, the head ref for the Premier Field. Right. Who so, came down and did a, a ref clinic for that us, was, which that was awesome. That was A. Howe, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the the head NXL pro ref. Yeah, I know him and several other yeah. NXL pro refs are going to be flown out. Um, like I think Tracy has been at the last two Bunker Fests, and she's going to be on the the Bunker Fest okay. field as well. A few hey. others whose yeah. names I don't know, but they will be there. Uh, so I'm sure that just increased the cost as far as flying personnel there. Yeah, um, and then of course, like just getting the field because while it is at Giant Party Sports, like they have to make their money from rec ballers and other like local players as well. So taking up two weekends of of space versus just one i'm sure impacts things there um but i guess another question so 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 how long is this gonna last i guess is my next question so we're flying in all these outside 
you know, Tracy's the, the laydown ref on the NXL Pro Field. Ahau is the head ref on the NXL Pro Field, et cetera, et cetera. Is this a ploy to let's offer a great product up front and then we're going to tailor back? It just to me, it's not sustainable. Why not approach it like let's get a professional, professionally trained refing crew that's local as opposed to I, – I guess I, I'm just trying to foresee like the future. What's the what's the future concept? Because paying you know four or five hundred dollars for a flight for one ref, and you multiply that by however many pro refs we're going to have, sure, maybe we have a few events that have great professional referees. And then what happens after that? Do we just say, ah, oh, well, you know, I we're not making any money, or you know, how does that how does that look to you? Um, I mean, again, I don't have like insights as to like specific numbers. Um, I'm sure things are more expensive or less expensive than you would imagine. Um, but also like other tournament series are also flying in refs. Like the USXBL has been flying in several NXL refs and Andrew Howe for at least this past season. Um, okay. so it's, it's definitely not a new thing in terms of what you would think is local series. But like the other thing is that BunkerFest is while all of the events are in Dallas, it's not really a local series. Like I want to say like 30 or 40% of teams are flying in. Literally so, flying like, in. So we're yeah. not talking like Louisiana, Oklahoma. No, we're talking, we're talking like, like Northeast, West Coast, uh, okay. Seattle. I think there's at least one international team flying in. If I'm just, I'm just looking at the teams right now. Uh, so for example, like uh, especially like in the premier division and division three, you've got the JITs, You've got CEP flying in. Uh, you've got the Palm Beach Vipers. Interesting. Um, and then in Division Three, uh, there's more Texas teams there, but you've got like uh, Carolina Clutch, who's from I think North Carolina. Um, you've got the Farm. Uh, most of the rest of them are pretty much Texas teams or nearby, like New Mexico Ruckus. Um, but there is a healthy number of teams that are flying in from outside. So I think. Um, that there's there's a little bit more justification there but i mean the fact okay. that they also like sold out the entire event yeah that's cool for the first deadline is uh i i think an indication of like where the players themselves want things to go um i know at least for the usxbl scene um if you look at division 3 or or which is usxbl's premier division it's only been like like the USXBL championships this past one in the premier division, there were only four teams, okay. which uh, was greed. I want to say tribe hypnotic and uh, one other team that I can't remember. Uh, but that's kind of been the state of the USXBL's premier division where they, they had, you know, they sell out in division five, they sell out in division four, but then when they get to premier, like no one stays around. And whether that's because of the no points thing or there's just like you're only playing like the same three teams at every event, and that's just not really a big allure. I'm, or maybe it's like an expense thing. Don't know why. That's but, interesting. But okay. like for whatever well, reason, BunkerFest, like those Texas teams in Division Three, are like they're voting with their wallet that they want to see a change, and they're getting to play against more teams. Yeah, I think it's cool, and I and and don't take what I'm saying as a mm. knock on BunkerFest. Yeah, I think it's sure. really cool, and I think that we need to shake up in all aspects. And I think that, you know, competition is a healthy thing to grow anything. Right. So I'm not saying that I'm just playing devil's advocate on 
sustainability and where do we go and you know the whole referee thing to me and i personally participated i am a certified nxl ref now <laughs> um <laughs> you know but and ahow actually put on the clinic and i thought it was really cool and really informative and i guess to me from outside looking in i would be more interested in saying let's train a local crew that's interested in doing this save expense right as opposed to like like why not pay a how and say instead of you me flying you in for five events this year or four events paying your flights paying all blah 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 why don't i just pay you to come down for two or three weekends and train a professional crew of local people pay them a little bit more let's say you know these are just numbers off the top of my head doesn't mean anything and, and i'm really throwing it out there but let's say you get 200 bucks a day for refing an event so if you get $200 a day for refing event and then you got to fly a how in from he lives in New York, I believe that's a $400 plane ticket. So that's 600 bucks, right? As opposed to let's say, let's pay each local ref $300. So we have people that are interested to continue to do this. The financial compensation is worthwhile and train them professionally and make them go through a rigorous process to learn how to do this properly. And then we have a sustainable future of referees local to Texas. And we've, we've kind of built a team of referees, if you will, you know, why aren't we looking at it that way as opposed to like, well, let's just fly in this guy and fly in this guy and we'll do it until it's too expensive to be sustainable anymore. And now here we are at square one with untrained, whoever we can hire off the street type referees. That That's my question about the whole thing. I don't know. And the answer to that, like they, they may very well have that in place. Like, I don't know how many refs they're exactly flying in. I know they have several, but I also know like there were local faces that I saw. Like there was one ref that we had in Louisiana at Mardi Gras that refed us for the Houston USXBL events. So okay. they do have some local guys for sure. Okay. And I see that uh, Enzo from uh, Austin Hypnotic, he just posted that USXBL posted about 15 minutes ago. I'm looking at this post uh, for the first USXBL of this year, which by the way, it looks like it has you on the cover. Uh, on the photo, Who, me, yeah, I so, didn't get paid for that, uh, or anything I've like, ever done in paintball. Looks like you know, Bunker Fest isn't is forcing the other uh tournament series to compete and change, so looks like they just posted uh, event paint is $40 or $45 per case when previously it's been $60 a case. Uh, now while they're okay. subsequently having to raise their entry fees, so uh, D4 entry fee is $945, where usually it's like around 650 or so. Um, and then the prizes, it looks like, are better than they have been. So for D4, first place is $3,500, second is 2000 third is 1000 It also looks like they are uh, they won't have a premier division, at least according to this poster. Oh, so again, we, we can go back to okay. say that, you know, so competition is healthy. It's good. Yeah. But what we don't want to see is we don't want to see it to be to where it's so cutthroat that – you know, the, it becomes to where the profit margins are zero, and then we just have tournament series that can't sustain themselves, and then we just have constant, you know, emergences and folding of different series. So that's right. kind of the fear when it gets to where like super competition. It's like, oh well, they're thirty dollar pain. I'm thirty five now. I got to be twenty nine, and mm. so I, I hope it doesn't go to that. Uh, I mean, back when I first started playing local paintball, we had two series: the Pure Energy series and the Pack series which were both very sustainable. And honestly, we all played all of them. So we played like eight local events a year, which was super cool. And it wasn't so much of a cutthroat, like I want to steal your teams or I want to book on your weekend or when you have practice, you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. It was more staggered to where it was like, 
this month pure energy series this month pack series blah 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 and that was kind of like really cool and it bred a lot of really good talent out of texas and i hope that instead of this going to where we're trying to undercut each other that it becomes more of a mutual like hey y'all do your thing we'll do our thing and we'll just make paintball more available to everybody and we have more tournaments to play and have more fun as opposed to well ours is better than yours and i'm gonna book on your weekend so that you don't get teams and and that kind of thing because i don't think Mm -hmm. that's good for anybody personally for sure and i i think everybody just wants to uh like see the Texas scene grow. And I think it was at a point where it it was starting to stagnate a little bit. And uh, so seeing all of this change come in, it looks like it's going in the right direction for sure. For sure. That's good. Uh, All right. So I, we're already at an hour and that's fine. We can go longer, but I'm not even halfway through my questions for you. And we're talking a lot about tournament series, which I think Mm -hmm. is very pertinent, but that's more of a Rangel and Greg Pauly or whoever question. So let's get back to more of what we're, we're doing here. And we're talking about you and who you are and what you do, because you're kind of like the voice behind the podcast and you don't get to kind of tell your story. And I think people are probably interested in who you are, what you're about. And so that's why for me, I thought it was cool. And I approached you with this idea because I knew you never would of me kind of flipping the role and getting your story out there. So I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to run and refill my drink. I'll be like 30 seconds to a minute. I'll let you talk about it. So I guess let's go ahead and move on to, so last year, I think for the first time in your career, you were kind of plagued a little bit with injury Mm. and had some things you were kind of working with. You missed quite a few events. And I know that's not typical of you because you're one of the most dedicated people and students of the sport that I've ever met, which is awesome. And I love having you as a student and coaching you has been such a pleasure. Um, But to see you miss four events last year, I know that that's disheartening to me and I, I can't imagine how it feels for you. But tell us a little bit about what kind of struggles you had last year as far as injury goes. How are you now? What are you doing to get better? Are you thinking you're going to be a full season here? Is this a nagging thing? Where are we at with that? All right. So, um, and I will be right back. So it started with the beginning of last season. Um, we play the first Houston USXBL. We win the event. Great. The next weekend was the Mardi Gras event where, um, now that I look back on it, honestly, I was starting to feel a little bit of like pain and discomfort in my lower back area. Um, and come uh, the first USXBL event in San Antonio was two weeks later. I ended up uh, getting sat for that event, which probably was for the best. Uh, my bo- my mobility uh, was starting to suffer a little bit, uh, and the the over. The underlying cause for this was uh, I had actually been helping my uh, parents move a piano in their house because they were they were getting their floors redone, and so I moved a piano, which during the moving process, like the other people who were helping, like they lost their grip and eventually, and essentially, like I was the only one supporting this piano with my entire body weight, and so I think. That and then combined with the very next weekend, we were moving a treadmill upstairs. Um, all of that just eventually led to the point where I had uh, a disc herniation in my L5 to S1 uh, area of my spine. So, um, going, I started with physical therapy, got an X ray, um, 
was told like, Hey, this, you know, go to physical therapy or take these medications like painkillers, muscle relaxers, and you'll be fine in a couple of weeks. I end up not being fine in a couple of weeks. It got significantly worse to the point uh, where the, so the third event that I missed was NXL Dallas. At that point I could barely walk. Um, I could not carry my own gear bag, could not roll it, could not carry a case of paint. I completely like could not play, could not even force it, could not fight through the pain. Um, Still show up to NXL Dallas to help uh, call plays and scout uh, for the rest of the boys. And eventually uh, the, um, you know, the solution was, hey, we're going to go with a steroid injection to my spine. Did that at the beginning of May. Was great for about two months or so. And played an event or two in that time span from about May to July. And then I have this bad bicycle accident, which actually happened like a couple of days after the very first episode. Did you Joe Biden? Uh, Did you Joe Biden? A little bit. Was it on camera? I was not on camera. No, Ah, but I do have a photo of the of the aftermath, the immediate aftermath. Not good. I think Um, you should share that on the uh, Instagram. uh, I'll I'll share it for the anybody who requests it, but it's pretty bad, (laughs) pretty graphic. Um, Like I didn't know if I was gonna lose my eye. Uh, I was about three millimeters away from needing uh, plastic surgery on my eyelid. Um, and, and I'm three millimeters away from being a badass man, you know, but, you know, <laughs> hey, not those, a good those woman anyway. count. <laughs> yeah, uh, they do. So um, during the uh, like the emergency room visit, they're like, OK, we're going to have to give you a tetanus shot and all that. So that was like probably three days before this other event in Houston, which I had to miss. Uh, because I was like running a hundred and three degree fever. I'm I've got uh obviously the bike accident that I'm recovering from, which uh the scar on my eye is part of. I've got some other scarring on my hands and my knees. Um, you told me a kindergartner beating you up. <laughs> one of your students. That's what you yeah. told me. Is that not, not the truth? Not in the middle of July, no sir. Okay. Okay. Uh and so I end up missing that event. That ended up being the fourth event that I missed. And because of the bike accident, I think that uh the you know, I did other things to my back that caused the, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's an, uh, re-aggravation or a new injury or whatever, but back pain has started to return. And so, uh, since then I've just kind of had to manage it either through, um, just consistently stretching. Uh, one thing actually Randy Stanzik taught me was, uh, how to do certain decompression stretches either by hanging, uh, off of like the edge of a countertop or something where I just kind of let the bottom half of uh, my body just hang and eventually the uh, that area of the spine just like, you know, lengthens slightly and uh, just allows some relieving of that pressure because what's happening is the L5 to S1 disc. Have you looked into an inversion table? Because they have these really cool things that will basically clamp onto your ankles. Mm-hmm. You lean back and this whole thing tilts and it, it's the same kind of thing as a decompression of the spine. Uh, my mom had several back surgeries. She had one of those actually really good. So you might want to look into that. Yeah, if you, if I, ha- you I have, have one. I have looked into it. It's the, the problem is like I'm in a somewhat small apartment and we just right. don't have any room to store it. Yeah. Uh, so since then, just the ways that I've been uh, having to mitigate that are just consistently doing these back exercises, back stretches, uh, doing core exercises, making sure to strengthen my core that way. Uh, less, uh, Less is being relied on as far as like my back muscles and my spine, and more so uh, being relied on my core. Um, and then 
you know, just lots of Tylenol, honestly. Um, so don't take too much bad for your kidneys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, alternate Tylenol and ibuprofen is, uh, been helping a little bit. Um, but we're at the point now where like, I'm, I'm going to have another MRI next week. We're talking about doing, uh, another injection on both sides of my spine. We'll see if that'll have a significant relief because those, those things are supposed to provide complete and total relief anywhere from a time of three to six months. Right. Uh, the first one only lasted about two months. I think that was possibly because of the the bike accident. We'll see if this one ends up providing more long-term relief. If not, then it's going to be um, what we're trying to avoid is surgery where they end up uh, taking out the, the disc entirely and fusing the two areas of the spine together. The issue with that is that you're totally immobile for several months. And then when you eventually do recover, you have a permanent uh, reduction in your range of motion. So we're we're trying to avoid that. Conspiracy here, uh, rumor mill, but uh, Raleigh, aka Roly Lemons, says can confirm Christian installed training wheels after his accident. Is there any truth to that? Um, I mean, my my training wheels, I guess, are just leaving my bike and just driving everywhere instead. Fair enough. All right, so stay off the bike. Paintball is much safer. Kids, do not mm. bike. It's dangerous. Paintball is actually safer. Paintball is actually safer than golf. There are less injuries in the sport of paintball than there are in the sport of golf. There's also a lot less people that play paintball than golf. But, yes, I see your point. That is true. Uh, paintball is a fairly safe sport as long as you follow the proper protocols. Always wrap it up, a.k.a. use a barrel condom. Um, now let's move along to talking a little bit about the Titans organization, how you guys train, how you previously trained, and where you kind of see 2023 as far as what's your focus looking like. Are you training? Are you changing anything in your training regimen? What do you guys currently do? What have you previously done? And what is kind of the future of, of the evolution of the team as far as training goes and preparing for events? So a lot of the things that the Titans do as an organization, uh, I would say, is kind of going back to an earlier point. Like we, whenever we practice or whenever we scrimmage, we try to play up as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know we're not going to win practice. Like I can't tell you how many events where we've, brought a team out to scrimmage the week before and they're like a division or two higher than us. And we just get, uh, we, we lose a lot of points that day, but we learn a lot and end up like being stronger for it. Um, and I'd say a, a bigger thing that we do consistently though, uh, at every practice that we have, we film it. Uh, I bring my, I have a GoPro and I have this whole setup where I have a GoPro and extra battery, a portable battery so that I can kind of hot swap and charge them throughout the day. And I set it up. Uh, if we're at X factor, I set it up in the tower at X factor, film the whole field. And then at the end of practice, go home, uh, cut out kind of the dead time in between each point, uh, put it online and we do film study. We see, Hey, why did we make this move? Did you see that this move could have been made instead? Uh, we listen to our communication. So being able to uh, watch film on ourselves, like you can't watch yourself in the moment, but being able to watch yourself from a third person perspective after the fact, and also while it's still fresh like that has really quickly improved our mental aspect of the game where uh, our teamwork has gotten to has gotten a lot better really quickly. And also we're able to understand field layouts a lot faster and see where the moves are possible. And also like just doing things like where having guys like yourself come in to 
you know, help guide us on these, um, these film study sessions where, uh, you know, getting from your perspective, what are the right questions to ask? What are the things that we should be looking at? What are like the possibilities that are there that maybe either like we just never considered or we thought, eh, like this is iffy, but like from a higher division or from a pro perspective, it's like, Hey, these are the opportunities we should be taking them. Yeah, definitely. You know, I've been involved with uh, quite a few of these types of things, which I think is really cool. And I've actually uh, instituted it into the uh, the X Factor kind of repertoire, which is something we haven't done. Is that you know, anytime that a new field comes out that you guys are going to play, we always get in a Discord call and virtually walk the field on guns up and kind of go over you know the week before practice, kind of preliminary thoughts on you know, what does this look, how does this field look like it's going to play? You know, identifying key bunkers, uh, potential kill spots, identifying potential good lanes on break, dead zones, bounce shots, etc. And so I think that, you know, when we do these reviews with you guys and then you go into practice, you can kind of institute what we think is going to happen, right? And then we do a follow-up call a week or two later and say, okay, so this was our initial thoughts. These were what we thought was going to happen, which a lot of time we do find that, you know, we do pretty well early on early impressions on a field of getting it right but we can take that second time to look at it and say well did this work did this not work was there something we didn't find that we didn't see and so i feel like the prep that the titans put in is is far beyond what most or the vast majority of divisional teams put in and even equitable to what a pro team would put in which i think is awesome and i think that's really like led to y'all's success and it's gotten to the point where X Factor actually does these same types of field walks too, thanks to what you guys do, because it's something that we didn't do. And I saw such a value in the time that we spent doing that, that I said, hey, I'm already doing this for the Titans, guys. Let's get together and, and go over this stuff so that when we get to the field, we have a little bit you know, more advanced development of what we think is going to happen on the field. So I, I think that's really cool. And, you know, y'all's training ethic and, and what you guys do, I think is, is testament to why you're successful and why you'll continue to be successful. So that's really cool. Cool that we, uh, you know, y'all are actually taking something from us to use in your sessions. Totally. And, and that's the key to being a good coach, a good leader, a good player, a good person, a good employee, a good anything in life is that, you know, don't be afraid to learn. You know, I've been playing the game since 2001. I've played at a much higher level than you, but the things that you've looked at and the perspectives that you've brought, I'm not afraid to learn from because there's value in what you do. There's value in what you guys see. And and you know from from my coaching techniques that I go I always pose a question to you as opposed to saying, "Hey, this is the way it should be done." Instead, I phrase it as, "Well, what do you think of this?" And then I get your perspective and then I'll give you my perspective. And sometimes maybe your perspective is a little bit better than mine. And, you know, that, that's a part of, like, letting the ego subside a little bit and realizing that you can learn from everybody you ever meet in life. And any situation that you're in, no matter what experience they may have or what walk of life they're from or anything, you can learn something valuable from anybody you meet. And being open to that and receptive to that is, is such a key thing in just being successful in anything that, you know, I just think that that's something that everybody should try and focus on. Um, and that kind of segues into the next kind of topic here, which is the Titans Board of Directors, which is a, a kind of like a, 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 a neat thing that uh, 
was was not it's kind of foreign to me because the teams that i've played on have always been like a, a sole you know it, it's one team it's not a conglomerate of teams which is what you guys have i mean you have a a beginner line if you will a d5 a d4 a d3 sometimes two d4s whatever so you have this big breadth of players you know 30 40 members within your organization that you guys have developed kind of a board to oversee um kind of all the lines as a group as an entity and it's made you know representative of the the main dude of the team dylan right which is kind of like the the figurehead of the whole thing and then kind of like line captains so each line a d3 a d4 a d5 line captain and then i've even actually joined the board this year to kind of help you guys as as more of a liaison and kind of just an, an outside perspective not so much in the day-to-day routine of stuff but just maybe like a neutral point of view when you guys have an issue arising or need advice or things of that nature so I'm kind of like that outside, you know, voice, if you will. So tell me a little bit about how that board of directors was kind of born. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? Uh, does it help you guys in your day-to-day operations? And has, is that what's kind of like driving the success of your brand and, and keeping all of this group together? So when the Titans started, um, right after the I-35 event where, uh, like, we had Dylan, myself, Ryan, uh, Leo, like all of us were playing together. The I-35 uh, All-Stars team was more of a proof of concept saying that, uh, hey, we can get guys together from the Austin, from the San Antonio area and go compete and like actually go beat these teams up at FIT because at, at FIT they were completely dominant probably in like the 2017, 2018, 2019 time period uh, where you had teams like uh, Texas Phalanx, TOG, uh, Shut Up or Trying. Uh, of course, the paintball FIT guys were all Division Four, Division Three, Division Two. Um, and so that proof of, you know, that proof of concept kind of translated into this Texas Titans program where after tryouts, we quite quickly, like went from just that proof of concept to having three complete lines in division five, division four, and then the premier line. So, uh, at least from Dylan's point of view, because I was not originally on that board, um, from Dylan's point of view, he was like, this is way too much for one guy to, to manage and also focus on his own development as a player. So uh, that board, uh, originally the concept was like kind of one captain from each line uh, as well as Dylan and maybe one or two other guys. Uh, I very quickly was added to that just because of, I think, originally the stuff that I was doing with the camera footage. Um, but also I became a little, a lot more involved with the division four line and ended up being, uh, kind of the replacement captain of that D four line. Um, so just the structure of that, it allows like those players that are on that board to not go like so much focus for the organization as a whole that they lose what they're trying to do, which is win on their line at their level. Uh, right. And I think that, like, from that aspect, it has allowed guys like Dylan, guys like myself, guys like Josh and Ryan, who were both on that board, uh, to, like, not be so bogged down in the operations of a 30-plus person team. Uh, they, they still have the freedom to more focus on, like, issues with just their, la- just their line. Uh, right. And while, yes, like, guys like me and Dylan still have, like, all of the lines to consider, uh, mainly because like me and Dylan are not just like, 
you know, points of contact, but we also uh, travel and either play call or coach with the other lines. Um, he's also just like, you know, of course the face of the Titans. So uh, it, it's in his best interest for everything to go through him. Uh, and so like, yeah, it, the structure has definitely taken a lot of load off and allowed also allowed like the opportunity for other guys to step up. Uh, and one thing that I learned from my lessons being uh, kind of the the president of the Texas Longhorns Club for a number of years is that you can't do everything by yourself uh, and you have to not only want like the other players have to want to be contributing to the improvement of that, um, but also like things happen all the time where guys who like for one day, like they may be all in like a guy that you can really depend on, like life happens to all of us. And so that one guy may have something come up where they're no longer around. So you have to have those opportunities for those other guys to step up. And uh, that's kind of happened to us uh, over the years where guys have had to come in and out. Um, and just having that structure allows us to be a little bit more fluid and be able to absorb and adjust versus like, Oh, the one guy that was running everything like, Hey, his, you know, he got relocated for his job. Suddenly everything's in chaos. There's no other guys uh, in place to kind of step up and be able to take over the reins. So I think this structure for like, especially for an organization of our size has been really beneficial to run it this way. Yeah, I agree. And kind of, uh, kind of moving along in that kind of same perspective, let's talk a little bit about like the not so glorious things that are going on within the Titans organization right now, which, you know, let's talk a little bit about the D four line because, you know, we had some players last year on the D five line that, you know, as I'm coaching them, I'm like, there's diamonds in the rough everywhere. You know, we're, we're starting to sharpen these gems. They're looking really good. They're playing strong. And I'm thinking that like, that's the line that's going to come out 2023 and kind of just, I, I really thought these dudes were just going to be dominant in the D four ranks as they bumped up. But now we're in a situation where, you know, some of the the mainstays and, and players that we've come to rely on to be there aren't there for whatever reason, you know, whether that be personal strife or, uh, you know, financial situations or just loss for passion of the game, whatever it may be. But here we are with a D4 line where it's like we're trying to plug holes in this in this roster of a team that I thought would come out and just be dominant in 2023. And so from a coaching standpoint on the outside looking in, I'm just kind of like, how did this happen? Where are we? And what are we going to do about it? So what is your kind of, as someone that's more in the mix than me, what's going on with the D4 line? Why, why are we where we're at? And what are we going to do to fix that? And, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'd say that, I, I mean, again, life happens to everybody. So it, uh, like situations, like I know the guy who was the captain for a D5 line last year, uh, he's an army guy. And so his his work schedule, he could be TDY where he has to go travel for a number of weeks uh, within like a like a very short notice, like a two or three week notice. So, right. um, you know, guys like at least for his specific case, like that's that's his situation. But that's, you know, not an uncommon thing where things start to show like happen. Like, I mean, think about the, you know, the level of inflation this past year in the economy. So like even like bigger oh, right. outside factors like that like 
gas was four plus dollars a gallon for the majority of last year and things like that take a toll on your you know your ability to uh, continuously and reliably show up to go play paintball um and also just in general i feel like the jump from division five to division four is where you're going to see the most turnover uh in terms of players being able to either continue on or have to take a step back um yeah because d4 usually you see a you know tournament entries are more expensive um and you have to have a bigger roster uh things like that so uh, and the commitment starts to become a little bit more intense than what you're used to as like a first year guy going in because suddenly in division four you're playing against guys that like sandbagging is a real thing in division four you're playing against guys that have maybe played d1 or d2 uh, take a couple of years off. They come back as like the D two or one of the two D three players on a D four roster. You're competing against significantly harder uh, talent, so that commitment level goes up significantly when you jump from Division five to Division four. And not everybody is ready or able to make the increased level of commitment that comes with competing in Division four. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, obviously, as you go up the ranks, things get more serious. Commitment levels go up time money everything goes up so yeah that's understandable i just hope that um you know it, it i hope that we can find uh, a few people to fill the slots on the d4 line because i really think that uh man there's some there's some star-studded members on that cast and um yeah so anybody out there that's listening if you're looking for a d4 team uh, i definitely would highly recommend uh reaching out to dylan or christian um, and seeing what you can do because they have you know three or four players that are definitely committed and and solid and are in a position to to do really well this year. Yeah, and we have uh, a decent number of the core players. Uh, it's just you know guys here and there that have needed to step away. Uh, definitely reach out to Dylan for that. He's got more info as far as like specific dates and things like that. Um, but yeah, I you know just understand that. Also, that the the Titans organization we're looking to win at every division. Like last year, we took home two series titles in Division Five and in Division Four. We won multiple events in Division Five. We won several in Division Four. We had uh, several podiums. We took a top four finish at World Cup. So we are looking for guys that are ready to not just like be on the Titans. We're looking for guys to play for the Titans and. Mm-hmm that requires a certain level of commitment. It really does. I mean, the level of commitment you guys have, it's not, it's not, let's go play with the boys on the weekend and have fun and do it, which is cool. I think that's great. And, you know, there'll be a time in my life when I want to do that. Uh, when I'm like 60, I may be eligible to play some local event. Um, but until then, you know, that's cool, but you're right. If you, if you want to be on the Titans organization, you're held to a, a higher level of commitment, uh, a higher expectation, and I mean, you're expected to attend extracurricular activities, which means sometimes you sit and listen to me talk for an hour about a field, and you know, that can be boring. You know what I mean? But it's the type of stuff that needs to be done to get to the level that you guys are trying to uh, obtain. And you know, it's people that do this kind of work that are are the ones that move up the ranks. So I think that's unless you have anything else you want to fill in about paintball. Um, I kind of want to move on into talking about the podcast in general. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of motivated you to start this? 
what were your inspirations? How did you come up with this concept? Were you bored one day and you're like, I have nothing better to do because I teach kindergarten at the local elementary or like, you know, where were you at with this and, and how did it, how did it transpire? Uh, so one more thing that I did want to touch on with sure. Campbell and I realized I, I hadn't, I guess I should have probably included this more early on in uh, the segment or in the show was how I originally got into paintball. So uh, my first exposure with paintball, and uh, I wanted to make sure I got this story, and I was probably like five, six years old. I was. Wait, is this the one where you surrendered your teammate? No, this is much, much earlier okay. than that. Okay, so I'm, okay. I'm probably like in kindergarten or first grade. Uh, I have these uh, neighbors across the street that are like, like third grade and fifth grade. They're a couple years older. And uh, there's one day where they got to go play paintball. And obviously I'd never heard of it. I'm like, you know, six, seven years old. And uh, one of them brings back a paintball to like show the rest of us. And this is probably in the year like 2001. Uh, so I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like, what is like, what is it like you, you shoot people with it? What? And he's like, yeah, uh, it, it shoots pretty hard. And he points to his his dad's truck this this paintball could probably put a pretty big dent in, and i'm in that truck and of course you know being a fucking idiot uh i i'm like oh this paintball can put a dent in that truck i see a completely random truck driving down the road so what do i do i fucking chuck that paintball as hard as i can at that truck because i want to see that truck get dented i want to see like how powerful this thing is and of course like i, I get in some trouble uh and the truck driver gets out like I got to go talk to my mom and I'm just like I just wanted to see what happened I got told that uh this paintball could put a dent in thing in things and I wanted to see see what the deal was about so fast forward I and it's like 10 years later was uh my first day of actually playing paintball but that was my my first actual like experience and then like growing up I was always like a Nerf gun kid so I always had like a a fascination with like just shooting people with things. So I think it was always going to happen eventually. Uh, so yeah, uh, kind of moving forward to the podcast. What's our questions there? Yeah. Just kind of like what inspired you to, uh, what inspired you to start the podcast? Like what was your inspiration on that? And, you know, kind of how has it been received? How has it grown? I mean, do you have good viewership? And have you had any feedback from anybody? What's the thoughts on that? Um, my wife is sitting here awkwardly <laughs> staring at me from the side, and it's making me nervous. Uh, so I, 30. I think the first um idea that I had for this podcast was actually traveling home from the second USXBL event. We had gotten knocked out in quarterfinals, and I'm driving home. I'm just thinking, like, I don't know, just like thinking random thoughts, just to kind of get my mind off of the fact that we got knocked out early. And one of those things that came up in my mind was like, man, it would be cool to like kind of get to know more uh, about other people in Texas. Like we don't really know much about uh, people inside paintball outside of like our whatever's going on at our local field. So I'm like, you know what, let's let's it would be cool if we got this thing going. Uh, where like I would just interview different people from around Texas and whether it's like pros, divisionals people that aren't playing like coaches or brands, photographers, things like that. And that was on Sunday and that Wednesday, 
three days later was episode one with you. So it, it was pretty much just like random idea out of the blue, like summer had just started for my school. So I had a lot of extra time on my hands to really make sure uh, this thing got going properly and just kind of kicked off from there. Right on. So moving forward, as far as like the podcast is concerned, what are you thinking? Uh, do you have any new ideas or concepts or anything that you you're wanting to do that you haven't done yet? Uh, what's the evolution look like? Is it going to be continued to stay Texas based? I mean, cause eventually are you going to run out of, of people to interview within Texas? So you're going to move outside of Texas or do you think that there's plenty of content here that people are interested in? Are you going to do repeat interviews of super interesting people like me uh or sasha or or what do you what are your thoughts on that so i've done two people that are not based in texas i had first christian woodmancy who actually messaged me asking to be on the show uh he's a pro player for energy elite and the other person that i've had was i uh, the guys over at kinetic paintball who were getting ready to uh or i think had just released their new pod pack and so I think as far as looking to the future, like I definitely want to still be able to highlight like not just pros, but like guys that are just doing really cool things, uh, divisional players, coaches, uh, brands, any other people that might not uh, get featured as much. And in fact, like I put a post out the other day where I'm like, hey, this is the water bottle I drink out of during the show. Send me some stickers that I can slap on here. So I've got guys like FU Athletics. Uh, Riddles Art, who's done a lot of like paintings of uh, paintball players. Uh, of course. Oh, I'm... speaking of that, I have one of those. Let's uh, see if I can move my camera real quick. Yeah, I remember like one of the early that. ones. Of you. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually designs a lot of stuff for me. And that guy is the bomb. Great dude. Fantastic artist. And yeah, I if you don't know who Riddles Art is, reach out to him if you need anything designed. He's a fantastic graphic designer, an awesome uh, artist in all types of different media, and overall really good dude. And you should get him on the show, and I can help you out with that if you need that. But I think he'd be an interesting personality to be on here. For sure. He um, actually um, released like a, a zine or zine or whatever it's called, uh, like mini magazine. And mm-hmm. in, in the one that he I'm sent in that. me, uh, I think – I, it might be the one that you're in, uh, yeah. but like toward the back, he did like, Hey, these are the people that you should pay attention to. And he included in the pits. And that was like probably one of the first like 10, 15 episodes. So it was pretty early on. Uh, so it was really cool to connect with him. And of well, course, let's I get got- him on here. Cause he, he's one of the dudes that he was actually nominated for, uh, one of the yeah, like, iconic paintball yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to win, right. Because it's rigged, but he definitely deserved to win and he does a lot of things uh, for the community that he doesn't get paid on. Like he doesn't make mm-hmm. money off of the, off of the, uh, the pamphlets that he did. He doesn't make money off a lot of the artwork that he does. Um, you know, he sent me this, my, the painting he did of me, no charge. I gave him a Jersey as a barter for it because I felt that's the right thing to do, but he does this because he's passionate about the sport and he loves it not for monetary gain. And he's actually a teacher. He teaches art. So he's very similar to you. Cool. Which kind of moves into um, my the question sponsored by Paintball Kumite, which is my training regiment that I've done with you guys that I hope to grow in the future. Um, right now, I've kind of focused on the Dragoons and the Titans locally. It's something, a brand that I want to develop when my time in professional paintball is done. But this is my sponsored question. Uh, I want to ask you, 
Number one, do the elementary school kids that you teach bully you? And since we all already know the answer is yes to that, what do you do to cope with that? And how does your wife feel about it? Does she feel like you're less of a man because you get bullied by <laughs> elementary school children? You know, how's that dynamic work? Uh, 100% they bully me. No question. Uh, I knew it. Yeah. I actually, earlier today, uh, second, uh, no, first grade kid got in trouble because he was doing things he shouldn't have been doing. And uh, we're talking with his homeroom teacher. And of course, he, he just the whole time he's like, yeah, we just do this because we just we want the other music teacher instead. And I was just like, God dang, dude, that that's hurts. rough. I'm right here, buddy. Uh, so how do that's I beyond the physical yeah. abuse. That's like that's emotional like, abuse. Yeah, that's a shit that'll like Which hurts I'll be, worse. I'll be replaying that in, in the shower, thinking of like the better responses that I could have come up with in the moment instead. You know, uh, you got outwitted by a child. It yeah. happens. So. Okay, another another question from your teammate Michael wants to know how long has it actually been since you've slid in paintball into any bunker, be it practice or tournament? Uh and he said that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> he added that on there. It was a caveat. You know. Okay, answer enough. None. Never. Okay, perfect. All right, moving on. Let's see if we have anything else. Um Oh, okay. A question from the wife. Uh, Katie wants to know, has Christian ever shown me, Colt, photos of the groom's cake from his wedding? No, he has not. But I know he's nerdy enough to have a paintball cake for sure. Yeah. Am I right? It was a pie I pack. knew it. it was How did I know? Actually. It was, uh, was, it it was made by um, a guy out at X Factor. His name... Yes, I know him. He yeah, made a cake for my Dale. wife. Yeah, Dale's the shit. He made a, uh, I did a Guitar Hero a themed party for my wife, and he made us a Guitar Hero cake. So yeah, he's a very talented yeah. guy. Dale's a man. Uh, I had a pod pack, and then I had little uh, cake balls that were purple cake balls for paintballs. It was dope. That's awesome. All right. Well, I don't. I'm I'm kind of wrapped up on my questions. Um, I guess last call for any viewer questions. And in the meantime, Christian, is there anything that you wanted to kind of talk about? Anybody you wanted to recognize? Anybody that's been inspirational in your paintball career or in your life? Or any words of wisdom for anybody listening? Uh, yeah. Um, so first, just thank everybody that has been supporting me on this journey for the past 35 weeks now. Uh, definitely wouldn't be possible without everybody's interest, continued viewership. Um, and like, obviously the word's starting to get out. So thank you as well for, you know, sharing this with whoever that you're sharing it with and, uh, other, other people, not just in Texas, but outside of Texas are starting to take notice. Um, as far as things uh, I want to, you know, people I want to thank, obviously thank everybody on the Texas Titans for, uh, supporting me through this or even just trolling me a little bit as well. Uh, Thank you, Colt, for being the first person on this show and for coming back on this. Uh, thank everybody that has appeared on the show. Thanks all of the sponsors that have uh, supported me through this. So Hustletown, FU Athletics, uh, Paintball Kumite, uh, Compete, which is Jell Stewart's brand, and then uh, Get That Shot, who's been doing all my uh, photo thumbnails. Uh, and then let's see, who is my favorite Titan, Leo is asking me? I <laughs> and then Josh I'm a says, Titan and I'm official because I have coach yeah. on my back. See, who's so my, it could be me. Who's my favorite Titan? Um, I'm gonna. I'm, <laughs> everybody's fighting over it. 
Uh, it's not you, say... Connors. You almost wussed out when I made like the the play call of the century in that tournament, and you were scared to do it, and then you end up looking like a damn hero getting a four piece. I don't want to hear yeah. it. I don't know. That, I I will say my favorite Titan is probably Josh. I uh, get fucked everybody else, but uh, Josh. Uh, he just he knows when to get everybody to shut up, and uh, just kind of rally around him. He's kind of like our emotional leader, I'd say, on our line. Um, he's also definitely, I, I would say he's the most consistently performing player on the team. Uh, I know that guys like, uh, Pat Ryan, everybody really, they all have like out, outstanding standout moments. I think Josh is just like, he's that guy that we all rally around. So, uh, he's my answer. Uh, second place goes to Isaiah because he knows how to play the pod game. Fair enough. And speaking of that, I, you know, it, apologize in advance i'm not used to running podcasts literally the first time i've ever been on this side of the uh the table here but definitely a shout out to compete like you said gel stewart's company that makes uh soft goods and different types of um wearable material for the paintball industry and also hustle town paintball they usually have sponsored questions i didn't get to them that's my fault but thank you guys for supporting christian uh in what he does and something that obviously he makes no money at and takes his personal time out of his day to do and it's awesome i think it's really cool christian thank you for allowing me to interview you um it's been an honor to know you to coach you and to be a friend and uh, just be involved with the titans organization and yeah thank you very much i appreciate that and i guess if there's no other questions from the crowd or anything else you want to say that's it for me. Anybody else? Last call. Christian, anything? I'm just looking back through the chat real quick. I mean, yep. we got a lot, lots of people typing in the chat, so it's going to yeah. do a very quick scroll. Yeah. Ryan's not even top two. We knew that. <laughs> um, Dylan's not even up there. The man behind everything. Look, definitely shout out to Dylan and oh, yeah, Christian 100%. and the amount of work that these guys do to keep this organization running on from the Titan standpoint. I mean, the amount of work that Dylan puts into this and the freaking nerdy ass spreadsheets he sends me to look at that I don't look at, but I look at, but I don't <laughs> is unbelievable. And the amount of, of data and whatnot he keeps on the team is awesome and amazing. And I know that you guys put your heart and soul into this and that's inspirational and very cool. And yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Okay. Think- so Riley asked, any plans to play any mech events? Uh, I mean, our tournament schedule is pretty full this year. Honestly, uh, I would love to get a mech event in. I think uh, Rangel is going to be doing a Longhorn Classic mech event in December. Uh, if anything, that's when the schedule is going to open up. So hopefully that. Other than that, I mean, like I just don't. I'm not able to go. You know, fly out to any of the ICPLs or anything like that. So uh, we'll see if December works out for us. Uh, I'm just scrolling through chat. Anybody else? Uh, that's about it oh uh actually there's a question at what point in my paintball career did i become the guy that people go to for all the rules and logistics questions Uh, the second they found out you're an elementary teacher they did that the second they figured out i knew how to read um so yeah i have had a few uh people including like tournament organizers that have messaged me about like rules in the rule books so i'm like why why are you messaging me about this stuff? Like this this is your tournament, aren't you like in charge? Uh and then why do I always know so much? I don't know. I just I I I like talking to people. I'm not afraid to talk to people, ask questions, and I encourage anybody out there like looking to learn, looking to grow, don't uh 
don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to approach guys, uh, ask for help. Cause you'd be surprised like how many cool people there are in paintball that are more than willing to kind of help you out, uh, with their experience. Awesome. Well, again, Christian, thank you so much for allowing me to be the one that interviewed you. Um, you're an inspiration uh, for everything that you do for your team and for paintball. Thank you to everybody that has tuned in. This has been In the Pits, episode 35. Thanks to all the sponsors that help Christian keep this alive. Obviously, he doesn't make any money off of this and does this out of the goodness of his heart, as we all do. So thank you guys very much. Thanks for tuning in. It's been fun, and we will see you guys soon. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. I think we're going to have Devin Lopez from Balls Out uh, from the Valley. I know uh, he just played with the AC Empire guys in the ICPL. So uh, it's going to be cool to get him on. We'll see you then. Thanks, Colt. Thank you, buddy.